Here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On, it's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Thursday edition of the show. It's time to finish up this December mock draft pick 17 to 32 on tap. We start with the Cleveland Browns, we finish with the San Francisco 49ers, and it's time to either piss off some fans or make them happy. Kyle, welcome. Well, let's be clear. Yeah. Draft order is predicated on the current draft order. So these are not our playoff picks. Right. These are earned, earned right? draft the, the, This is a reflection of your own team and their own merits. So if you don't like where they're picking, blame them. Or in my case, as a Miami Dolphins fan, blame the Steelers and the Texans. Yeah, that Steelers pick's not going to be a top 10 one, is it? No. Pretty safe to say at eight. <laughs> Eight and five, it will not be. Here's the good news, though. Yeah. The pathway for Pittsburgh missing the playoffs is very clear. Go Like we're going to piss off the Steelers fan. Not that any Steelers fan bases are listening to a, a one-round mock because they don't have a first-round pick anyway. If the Steelers finish nine and seven, right, and they play Buffalo and Baltimore in two of their last three games. Yep. Right? And Tennessee beats... The Texans once Tennessee will finish with a better record in the conference and therefore take the tiebreaker and push Pittsburgh out of the six seed. Did I just hear you say go Bills? Go Bills, baby. <laughs> Is that this week? Sunday night football. Bills. Oh, brother, I am the biggest GD Buffalo Bills fan on the face of the planet right now. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you should like build your own Josh Allen jersey, you know, like paint a white shirt blue and put a one and a seven on there and, you know, just really get I, into I it. Might just, I might just buy one and overnight ship it and then do the jersey exchange. <laughs> do the jersey exchange? Yeah, you know, they got jersey insurance or whatever. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, that, that'd be the weirdest picture anyone's ever seen you in a, in a 17 Bills jersey. Yeah, I don't think I could actually. I've seen it. you but in a, a brown jersey. I've seen you in a brown yeah. jersey. Yeah, I got a Baker Mayfield jersey for Christmas last year for the brand. What, what other non-Dolphins jerseys do you have? Um, or have you ever had? That's a great question. Because I'm here to tell you I have never owned a non-Bills jersey. I'm going to buy you one for Christmas this year. You won't. You won't. <laughs> I might now that you said I won't. Who would you buy? Well, I mean, what what player on some other team would you buy for me that you would think, you know what, this would be a good utilization of my funds and Joe would appreciate it? Know, maybe <laughs> Carolina? Maybe oh. Keekly? No, brother, that can't happen. McCaffrey? No. No. What about what about a JJ Watt? Yeah, that's you, be- you would you would wear a JJ Watt. No, I, I don't know. Um I have be this is ready for a hot take. We're getting off the rails here. I I have less and less enjoyed wearing football team gear in public. That's not true. Is it? You are you you have like three shirts that you pack anytime I see you, and they're always Buffalo Bills. Yeah, it's for like lounging around, but when we go places, do I ever wear them? Why? Because I don't want the discussion. 
Right. I knew as soon as I said why, I knew it was because you don't want people asking you about, oh, you're Bills fan, huh? Or anything. Oh, or any team. From Buffalo, all yeah. the Mets, they stink. Right. I don't want any of it. <laughs> That's a Kyle Cra- Krabs take. People probably would expect that from you, but here I am delivering that here on this podcast. I'm either TDN or Miami Dolphins. It's all I wear. I, yeah, I do. I represent TDN quite a bit. And then other times it's just like is as plain as can be. So I don't have to have conversations with anyone. Well, I, I'm really proud of the way that you've bought yourself an extra five minutes here to think about this Browns pick. <laughs> right. Which is I... <laughs> the shittiest pick that we're probably going to make today <laughs> because the three top offensive tackles were all gone in the top 10. Yeah. And like, I thought the hardest pick we made yesterday was the Bucks pick at 16. And now here we are at 17 and we're leading off with what will probably be the most difficult pick. Joe, you do have the odds. You are picking the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I will pick back-to-back picks to get both the Dolphins picks. You will then in turn pick 24 and 25, and then we'll get back on schedule. Dun-dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun-dun. Cleveland Browns are on the clock, Joe. Man, it feels like I got to go offensive line. You, you know, do. They've, they, yeah. And I, you don't, I don't have I mean, to do anything. I know, but I sort of have to, right? I mean, this they got a franchise quarterback there in Baker Mayfield that they failed to get the tackle position. Both, you know, Chris Hubbard and Greg Robinson are terrible. They trade away Kevin Zeitler. They've created their own holes at offensive line, and and there's only going to be so many chances to invest in them to get some some players there to so they don't waste these great young skill players they have. Um. I think some people would think Alex Leatherwood or Austin Jackson would be worthy of the 17th pick. I mean, I like some of the interior offensive linemen. I like Creed Humphrey and Tyler Beattis. Um, So I, I've got to do my guy Baker a solid here. I've got to get him an offensive tackle. Um, This will be known as the reach of the draft, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go with Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle for Alabama and uh, give myself a young offensive lineman to work with where we need several in Cleveland. Can can we just acknowledge real quick that there are, like, no good guards in this class? Uh, yeah, I want to get a little deeper into it, but, I mean, who who's your favorite guard? Like, Trey, Trey Smith and Solomon Kinley and Natane Mutai? I mean, those are the guys, yeah, right? Yeah, like, those are the names that, that hover around the top for me. And, like, Trey Smith has first-round qualities, but – the medicals is the big question with him. And I don't hear very many people associate him as being a potential top 40 pick. Right. But you know, one of the things that we've done is we bunch offensive tackles together and then all interior offensive linemen together. And we talk about how it's a good interior offensive lineman class. They all play center. <laughs> yeah. Like there's no pure guards yeah. that are in that conversation. There are. Yeah. There's a handful of centers though that are very likable, but oh yeah. I mean, Logan Stenberg. I mean, yeah, it's it. It doesn't feel like you're going to get a big time interior offensive lineman this year. It's not a, not the strength of the class. Okay, so 18. The Oakland Raiders are back on the clock. They took Henry Ruggs with their first pick. I made that selection. I'm also <clears> making <throat> this selection, which I like. I get my full vision here that I was hoping for. Joe, see. The Oakland Raiders have the least athletic linebacker class. I think. We've seen in a long time. Yeah. Very non-dynamic on the second level. Very. And I have the opportunity to get a guy 
who hasn't declared yet, but is eligible and did not play this past year, but should be 100% by the time the start of 2020 rolls around. Dylan Moses from Alabama, who was the consensus number one or number two, depending on if you're classifying Isaiah Simmons as a safety or linebacker, which I know is a debate for some. If you're talking pure, like Mike linebackers, Dylan Moses was the consensus number one. He is available. He should be healthy. That makes it a home run selection for me. Dylan Moses going to the Raiders at 18. All right. I've got the Tennessee Titans here at number 19. I uh, have some concerns. Maybe J- Jack Conklin won't be back, but I'm not going to go offensive tackle again here. Um, I like some of the edge rushers that they could go with. Um, Caleb on Chasen right here. Uh, give him a guy opposite of Harold Landry. Cam Wake um, played well for them, but he's hurt and he's obviously aging. And so I want to. Yeah, you know, I'm doing this. I'm going Caleb on Chasen. Oh, you prick. Yeah, I think, I mean, and you think about that, the defense is very multiple in Tennessee, and I think that they would deploy him very effectively. So, you know, I think Ryan Tannehill has reinvigorated that offense. Perhaps we need to address some things on the offensive line. I don't think the value is there to do it. I think I can get a, a chess piece on defense to make that that pass rush even more, you know, more dynamic than it is with Chase on, who can fill a number of roles for a defense. Okay. Jacksonville Jaguars on the clock with the 20th overall selection. And I've got some options here. Who'd they take with their first? Oh, Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons was selected at seven. So now the Jaguars on the clock at 20 with the Rams pick. And I'd like to get a replacement for Jalen Ramsey. And I look up and down what the Jaguars options are and they've got Trayvon Diggs, Sean Wade, Paulson Adebo, Jeff Gladney, CJ Henderson. Those are kind of the the names associated with this range in the draft. Some of those names this would even be rich for. Uh Joe, I think I'm going to surprise you here. Because with a corner? I I did. Yes. I'm going to go with a okay. corner and I've already the, the card is in. The pick okay. has been made. On mock draft machine. Florida corner CJ Henderson is my pick. Okay. I watched CJ Henderson earlier this week. He he declared for the draft and announced he's going to skip the bowl game for Florida. Okay. Some very bad tackling habits on his film. He's a willing tackler when the ball care is not square to him, if that makes sense. When he when he doesn't have to bang heads with guys head-to-head collisions, he brings some wood. He makes a lot of business decisions. I don't think he's the most effective getting off of blocks and run support, but his coverage skills are A1. He's fluid in the hips, and I, I watched the full film on him, and it really warmed me up to what he's able to do from a coverage perspective, and with how good and physical the rest of the Jaguars' defense is, I'm okay with a guy that's not going to be a stalwart run support, D-gap filler, tackler on the boundary, because from a cover corners perspective, we're talking oily hips. We're talking a ton of length. We're talking good ball skills. We're talking sticky in the trail position, good hand-eye coordination when he's working his eyes back late. I think there's enough here that I can get excited about what C.J. Henderson can do enough in coverage that I'd be good with a top 20, 25 selection for him 
even though from a tackling perspective and an effort perspective against the run at times, there are some greedy Williams types reps. <laughs> I think he's more dynamic than what greedy Williams is. And because of that, that's why I'm okay with him being the pick here for the Jaguars. All right. I get the Dallas Cowboys at 21. Um, I th- I'll tell you, I'm thinking about Javon Kinlaw, but I'm going to go with a secondary player. Too many question marks there with Jeff Heath claiming one of the starting safety roles. Xavier Woods ball skills have been inconsistent. Byron Jones is a free agent. I don't think that they're going to be able to pay all these guys. Doesn't sound like they're going to bring him back. (laughs) Yeah, so which is crazy to me. Well, I mean, they still have to deal with Amari and Dak Prescott. So, I mean, you can only pay so many players here in in the NFL. Uh, But I do think I got to get some help here. Help here in the secondary, and I think the depth at cornerback allows them to kick the can on that to the second round, where I think there's a drop off at safety if I don't get one right here. And I really love Xavier McKinney, the safety from Alabama, as the pick. Um, I think he's versatile. He can play in deep zones. He can win a man coverage. He's got ball skills. I love the way he tackled. Look at the LSU game in terms of what he can mean as as a guy that comes and plays forward and even plays some in the box. I think that versatility is very important for a secondary to have a player like that. And we can look at a corner in, in the second round. But I think after Xavier McKinney, I think there's a big drop off in the safety talent. Okay, so the Miami Dolphins now on the clock at 22 and 23. Oh, that was the that was the fight song. Good job, Joe. I'm really proud, man. That hey, was I made good. they made me like $18 by getting that bet right last week. Yeah, man, they covered and lost. What a yeah. what a great combo. So this is ultimate conflict for me now. Because I had the Dolphins passing on Tua at four. Brian Flores, defensive coach, durability questions with Tua, wanted to explore what this could look like if they chose or determined that they weren't comfortable from a medical perspective investing a top five pick in Tua. They took Jeff Akuda, best player available. Now we're at a juncture where I need an offensive tackle I need an edge rusher, I need a quarterback, and I need interior offensive line, and I've only got two picks, and I need to assess the talent that's available <laughs> to me to do so. This scenario sucks, let me just say. Um, I'll, t- I'll get the quarterback out of the way, Joe. I've been talking a lot with you lately about Jordan Love from Utah State. You love Love? I'm getting there. I understand that... the the bad reps on his tape are very bad and he gets locked in on first read too much, but he thrives off script. He's athletic. He's got an a plus top shelf arm as far as what he's able to do with the football. And I think about the dolphins coaching staff and their ability to develop talent, what they've shown in 13 games with some of the talent that they've been able to draw out positive results from and I look at within the AFC East what the Buffalo Bills were able to do with Josh Allen with what he was as a prospect versus what he's showing in stretches of 2019 it has me excited for what Jordan Love could be for the Dolphins considering their coaching staff also is predicated on developing talent 
And I think Jordan Love is starting at a higher point than what Josh Allen did. So give me Jordan Love, the quarterback, at 22 to the Dolphins as our long-term option, whether it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, there's rumors or speculation going around that Tom Brady, like from people in Boston, not this isn't like a pipe dream from Miami fans. This is NBC, NBC Sports Boston. Tom Kern went on Rich Eisen show and said, I really feel like if Tom Brady hits the open market and the Patriots decide they want to segue, Miami's a destination that makes sense for Tom. I got to interject. Go ahead. First of all, I don't think I could look you in the eye ever again if Tom Brady was your quarterback. <laughs> I just don't think I can. I don't. I, I think it's going to put a real weird thing uh, between us. So um, probably, I I feel dirty talking about it. Jesus, but like, man, it's too weird. Like you had Thurman. You guys had Thurman and Thurman yeah. Thomas, and that, and I still cringe. I still cringe over that. You know, we uh, had Chris Carter too. Yeah, right. for like six games <laughs> that's a good one that's a good one one day we'll have to just do a big dump of like players the weirdest players that played for teams yeah the second thing is let me just tell you over the last i don't know four or five days finding out that one you can get behind jordan love not only get behind him but mock him to your favorite team Oh, you're going to bring up Prince here too, aren't you? And yes, and that you are buying into Prince Tagawanohu as I think you said you scored him somewhere like early day uh, day two, like a high second early round two. grade. Yeah, he's an early two for me. If you would have told like this two two years ago, three years ago, Kyle Krabs, you'd be flushing those guys down the toilet. Right. Well, you have evolved as a man and as well, a scout. That's, that's the point, right? Is is you got to take your wins and losses as they come. The yeah. The tackle that we talked about that correlates here is Brian O'Neill. If you would have told me Brian O'Neill was a quality starting offensive tackle in the NFL, I'd have laughed at you. Right. Because he was so all over the place at Pitt. But, I mean, at least we're seeing there's still plenty of examples of, of developmental offensive tackles not panning out. But of Titus course. Howard hasn't looked like a clown. Brian O'Neill looks like he's going to be a player. Um, Colton Miller's made big strides this year at left tackle for the Raiders. To be fair, I didn't hate Colton Miller. No, nobody. That's fine. But nobody liked him where he got drafted. Yeah. And I think he's the way he's played is, is indicated that especially as a rookie, but yeah, I mean, we're, Hey, we're always learning, but man, those were two, those were two big ones for me to deal with. Cause I kind of know your tendencies, man. Coaching uh, matters. It does. Yeah, you're exactly right. Coaching matters. So if you go to the right situation, I mean, that that's that's the biggest thing that I've learned over the last couple of years is that coaching and situation is the most important thing. And that's what makes our job so difficult, right? Because you don't know it, right? Because you don't know what it is before it happens. So you're trying to forecast based on what the landing spot will be for likelihood of success. That gets messy. Yeah. So the Dolphins have Jeff Akuda and Jordan Love so far in their first round inventory. Who they got uh, as that third pick? I'm going to take best offensive lineman available to me with this pick at 23. I feel like there's the odds of me getting somebody I like as an edge rusher on day two is pretty strong, and I'm not going to force offensive tackle just because we need offensive tackle. My best rated interior offensive lineman right now on the board. This is a change that's happened over the course of the 2019 season coming into the 
this season, it would have been Tyler Beattis. Creed Humphrey <laughs> has surpassed him for me. And Miami has a dire need. Daniel Kilgore is not cutting the the mustard at center for the Miami Dolphins. I think they can save like $4 million uh, off the salary cap. Not that they're in cap issues, but if you could cut Daniel Kilgore, save $4 million and draft an upgrade in Creed Humphrey, I think that makes a ton of sense. So give me Creed Humphrey as the, the third first round pick for the Miami Dolphins. If I would have told you in August that your December mock draft for the Dolphins would include Jeff Akuda, Jordan Love, and Creed Humphrey, your reaction would have been? I'd have pooped my pants. <laughs> it's funny how like the, the information. In a bad way. <laughs> it's, right. It's a very just fluid process. <laughs> it sure is. It's a very fluid process. So sure, sure. You know, Go ahead and old takes exposed us all you want hey, for takes in, in August. This is if you're not changing your opinions, you're doing it wrong. Right. There's new information. It's good to do that. Um, so I have back to back here since you went back to back with the Dolphins. I've got the Vikings at 24 and then the Bills at 25 for the Vikings here at number 24. Um, I think about a corner and I think about interior defensive line. And Javon Kinlaw is on the board, and I love this idea. Um, I, explosive interior penetration style player that would mesh very well with Linval Joseph as his running mate there. And uh, I think it's that type of penetration style player you need in a 4-3 that right now Minnesota doesn't have. So I don't think there's a whole lot of depth to this interior defensive line here. So let's go and snatch up uh, a good value here in Javon Kinlaw, who's grown a ton. Uh, from 18 to 19. Uh, now I'm up with the Buffalo Bills at 25. Um, if Here's what makes this challenging for me <clears throat> is because there's some perimeter players that I like on offense and defense. T. Higgins, LaVisca Chenault, I think those two wide receivers would be good picks for the Bills, the type of weapons that would mesh well with Josh Allen and the infrastructure already in place with Cole Beasley and John Brown. Um, and I also like Sean Wade, a cornerback. I think that he'd be a great long-term solution next to Trey White, um, where Kevin Johnson's a free agent who's played well at times, but he's always injured. And then Levi Wallace, whose lack of athleticism is starting to pop up a little bit, and he's an exclusive rights free agent this year. But I just feel like you have to get more dynamic on the defensive line. And Yeter Gross Matos just has yeah. so many tools in the box, man. And you know, the Bills' starting defensive ends are Jerry Hughes and Trent Murphy. I think Jerry Hughes is still playing well, but I think Trent Murphy's been a disappointment. Um, and then Shaq Lawson's a free agent, and man. He's really starting to emerge. He's starting to be the first-round player that the Bills envisioned when they took him 19 overall. And I think he's going to be a pretty pricey player to, to keep, and somebody's going to pay him. I don't know if that's going to be Buffalo. So I, I think the Bills need to get younger and more dynamic at pass rusher on the outside. And I think – you kind of have an opportunity to do that with a really toolsy player in Yeter Gross Matos. Uh, the Pagulas, the Bills owners, have some ties to Penn State. Uh, so give me give me Yeter to the Bills here at 25 and uh, get, get a little bit younger and more dynamic at edge rusher. Now this pleases me greatly. Sean Wade's the pick, right? Because Sean Wade is the <laughs> home run pick for the Kansas City Chiefs. The versatility that Wade brings, he plays a ton in the Nick. He's got all the the tools to be able to play on the perimeter and the outside as well. Uh, Kansas City has invested a lot in their defense. Their defense has played better this year versus 2018. 
but anything you take on offense really just feels like a luxury. Yeah. And I, I don't feel like Kansas city needs to expend those luxuries when you can check a box with uh, a, a player that depending on what you covet could be the best available corner here. Um, yeah. His versatility is, is terrific. I love, love how he tackles. He's got a big presence near the line of scrimmage. Sean Wade to the Chiefs. I'm not sure he might not be my CB too. I mean, I got to do a lot of film work on these corners, and you know, because it's it's underclassmen heavy like usual. And until they declare, I usually don't get too into their tape. But man, I watched a ton of Ohio State this year, and I feel like Sean Wade. He's just, all over the place. Oh, always. He tackles, ball skills, blitzes. He's five star recruit. You know, he was a number two corner class, number two corner coming out that year of high school. Number one was Akuda. Yeah. I mean. It, it, He's not limited. He just plays in the nick because our net plays outside. Like, I don't think there's anything he can't do. I love him. So great pick for the Chiefs. Um, <clears throat> all right. I have the Packers at 27. And man, LaVisca Chenault's the pick from Colorado. Uh, wide receiver, give them another weapon to work with. Uh, that's been a revolving door opposite of Devontae Adams, who's missed some time this year. And, you know, I think you've got to make sure Rodgers has weapons. And I think he can really take advantage of a guy like Chenault who gives you some of those Randall, Randall Cobb qualities, but also, you know, is more of a, a dynamic every level of the field type weapon. So I think Chenault to the Packers would be a slam dunk for Chenault and a slam dunk for the Packers at a position of the need. Yeah. I like that pick for green Bay, uh, which puts Seattle on the clock at 28. This is kind of an interesting intersection here. Cause I could go a lot of different directions. Uh, kind of assessing Seattle's needs, defensive line, corner. I get yelled at every time I mock the Seahawks a corner because the Seahawks front office seems willing to take guys in, you know, the fringe top 100 or on day three, and they get really good play out of them no matter where they come. When you take a big 12 safety from Oklahoma State and you transition him to corner and he <clears throat> plays well, like you've broken the system. Trey and Flowers. Yeah. Yeah, it's too It weird. makes no sense. It's so, like, weird. the corners here, like Trayvon Diggs, I would love to take Trayvon Diggs to Seattle, but I just – the every time I try and give him a corner, I get yelled at, and the more you think about it, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, they don't do it. So I can't can't sign off on that. Um, So I come back to the defensive line and pressure players, and uh, they took – a defensive end, LJ Collier in the first round of last year's draft, uh, which makes me want to maybe look inside somebody to pair with Jerron Reed uh, as far as a one athletic ability and skills. And that brings me to the name Raekwon Davis. And I think Raekwon is very much a Seattle defender based on his traits, the length, the heavy hands, the heavy anchor that he brings, uh, how he can reset the line of scrimmage. He's not the sexiest pass rusher on the inside, but neither was Jerron Reed at Alabama, right? So I, I think there's still some developmental upside with Raekwon as far as what he's been asked to do at Alabama versus what I think he's physically capable of. There is a discrepancy there. And I think Seattle would love to add him into their defensive line rotation. I think it's a pick based on pedigree, traits, tendencies. I think there's enough here to get behind Raekwon of the Seahawks at 28. 
Patriots at 29 are kind of a difficult team because you, you look at this team and you feel like the, the weak spot is offense, right? They need to get better on offense. Um, but what do you want to do with that right now? I mean, there's value at running back. I'm not going to do that. I don't love the offensive line opportunities that they have here. Um, you know, am I going to give them another receiver? I mean, it was already kind of uncharacteristic of them to go with and kill Harry last year in the first round. I know T Higgins is here and he'd probably mean something to this offense, but, um, I don't feel good about that. I think they have a needed edge rusher. There's some edge rushers worthy of the pick and Curtis Weaver and Julian Aquara, but man, I think right now, just like Tom Brady is not handling pressure and, I feel like I am almost kind of forced into getting some offensive line help here. Um, I know Isaiah Wynn when he he's been back and he means a lot to them at left tackle. Yep. And Marcus Cannon at right at right tackle. I mean, wh- why is this offensive line declining? Why is Tom Brady not able to perform as well as he has? I mean, his he's got like a, a one of the worst completion percentages and passer ratings under pressure in the league this year. So I'm I'm kind of talking through this and trying to convince myself that offensive line is the way to go here. But like, are, are they going to go with Austin Jackson? I mean, is Tyler Biotis in play here? Like, this is difficult for me right now, and that keeps pushing me back to like the to me it's going with the value that I think exists at edge rusher. So what the hell are the New England Patriots going to do here? I think for I know now who I would pick. Who is it? Just tell me, because I'm leaning towards Curtis Weaver. <laughs> Oh, that's a good fit too. Who was your pick? I was going to give him uh, Lucas Niang. Really? I mean, that's the type of tackle they've had success with too. I mean, they yep. they've gotten some good years out of Marcus Cannon. Um. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Don't let me make your pick for you. You're the GM here, sir. I'm sticking with Curtis Weaver. All right. I think they get, they might be able to get Nang in the second round. So they're getting the pass rusher from uh, Boise State. Disrespect. Curtis Weaver, uh, unbelievably productive. Uh, you made a comp to Derek Barnett, which I think is a good one. Um, Patri- Patriots need help at edge rusher. I think this is the type of guy that fits their mold. All right. Which then puts the Saints on the clock at 30. Devastating run of injuries, man. Yes. Marcus Davenport, Sheldon uh, Rankins, and Jared Cook. Yeah, big (laughs) big hits for the Saints. Uh, You you pair that with the fact that they then lost to San Francisco at home this past week. Has anybody had a worse week than the New Orleans Saints? No. Don't think so. Saints, for me, comes down to two positions. Potentially adding another wide receiver to the mix. And the second level of the defensive linebacker. And I'm looking over what they have at linebacker. And there are three starters right now are A.J. Klein, Kiko Alonso, and Demario Davis. I know they have Alex Anzalone on IR again. <laughs> and uh, it's unfortunate because Anzalone is a really exciting player when he's healthy. And they traded for Kiko Alonso uh, ahead of the season. And Alonso really hasn't moved the needle for them a whole lot. I think he's got like 30 tackles on the year or something like that. Uh, kind of working his way into a bigger and bigger share of snaps. But the fact that Kenneth Murray is here, the linebacker from Oklahoma, makes this a sensible pick for me in that 
He's very dynamic. He's very disruptive. I love his explosiveness. And I think he can really help kind of fortify building around AJ Klein is more of a, a physical presence as the same. And Demario Davis is a linebacker who I like a fair amount, but getting Mike figured out between Kiko Alonso and Alex Anzalone, being able to plug Kenneth Murray in there, I think makes a ton of sense. And that's the pick for the saints for me. All right. I've got the Baltimore Ravens at uh, 31 here. Um, I think about some edge rushers and Terrell Lewis and Julian Aquara, but to me, there's some low hanging fruit here and a player that I just didn't expect to, to be on the board. And that's T Higgins wide receiver from Clemson. And I think one thing that if there's anything Lamar doesn't do extremely well, it's throw outside the numbers. Well, in T Higgins, you've got a weapon now that really excels in that area with his body control and concentration and ability to come work back to the football and, and adjust to, to passes that aren't necessarily pinpoint accurate. And um, I think he would help really make the spacing of this Ravens offense even better in a, in a type of player they don't have. I know they have Miles Boykin. Uh, he hasn't done much as a rookie. And I think T. Higgins is a much better version of what they think they have in Miles Boykin. So um, we'll we'll figure out some edge rushers here uh, later in the draft. I think T. Higgins is just too much of a value here and, and too much of, uh, of, a, of a type of player that can really help solidify their offense so t higgins to the to the ravens 31 which brings us to san francisco at 32 and this is kind of an odd juncture for them because we're looking at some of the best players available based on the tdn board are deandre swift trayvon diggs jonathan taylor travis Etienne, and then we get a run of quarterbacks uh eason hurts from as far as the our predictive board for the mock draft machine which we're running this off of they don't need a quarterback Running back feels like the least necessary pick of all time based on the production that San Francisco is able to get in this outside zone rushing attack under coach Shanahan. And I can get behind Trayvon Diggs, but it doesn't really move the needle for me all that much as far as uh, Richard Sherman still present for them. Akella Witherspoon has had some nice flashes of play this year. Uh, their pressing needs uh, for me is, you know, what are they doing long-term at offense at left tackle? Is McGlinchey going to be a guy that moves to left tackle? Do they want to uh, just draft the left tackle, keep McGlinchey on the right-hand side when Joe Staley decides uh, it's time to move on? Or if the team decides it's time to move on from Joe Staley, what are they doing at the guard positions? Uh, right now, they're, they're starting guards, Lake and Tomlinson, who they brought over and extended. Uh, Mike Person is the right guard, so I think there's a good opportunity for an upgrade there. Then you ask the question, okay, what kind of personnel makes sense for them? And I've said often, Joe, that I believe of all of the interior offensive linemen that are considered in the top tier, if there was going to be one that you were going to ask to play guard, I feel like Tyler Beattis is that guy. So they have Weston Richburg, who's now on IR to end the season uh, as a guy who can play center for them long-term. I think Beattis has enough versatility that he can play guard or center. And for that reason, Beattis is going to be my pick at 32 to the San Francisco 49ers. I was was waiting for you to, to go with Nick Harris. (laughs) <laughs> I thought all that monologue was going to be a big setup to say that you were going to go with Nick Harris. No, I thought about it, though. I, d- <laughs> I don't think Nick can play 
guard. Not at all. No, that's the thing about he's got to be uncovered. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So uh, that that was the barrier for me. Um, And I don't think with Weston Richburg there, I don't think they have the ability to have flexibility if they were to have Richburg and Harris. I think you'd have two centers on your hands. So there you go. Uh, Joe, would you like to recap 1 through 16 or 17 through 32? We're going to read through the full mock before we sign off. You're going to do neither. All right. Because we're having some technical difficulties, which means I'm going to read through the full thing, and then we're going to close. Recapping the entire mock that we did, we did 1 through 16 yesterday and 17 through 32 today. Uh, Joe Burrow to the Bengals, Chase Young to the Giants, Jedrick Wills to the Redskins, Jeff Akuda to the Dolphins, Derek Brown to the Lions, Tristan Wirth to the Cardinals, Isaiah Simmons to the Jaguars, AJ Epinesa to the Falcons, Andrew Thomas to the Jets, Tua Tunga Viola to the Chargers, Jerry Judy to the Broncos, Grant Delpit to the Panthers, CeeDee Lamb to the Eagles, Henry Ruggs to the Raiders, Justin Herbert to the Colts, Christian Fulton to the Bucks. That was yesterday. Today, Alex Leatherwood to the Browns, Dylan Moses to the Raiders, Kayla Von Chase on to the Titans, CJ Henderson to the Jaguars, Xavier McKinney to the Cowboys, Jordan Love to the Dolphins, Creed Humphrey to the Dolphins, Javon Kinlaw to the Vikings, Yatur Gross Matos to the Bills, Sean Wade to the Chiefs, LaVisca Chenault to the Packers, Raekwon Davis to the Seahawks, Curtis Weaver to the Patriots, Kenneth Murray to the Saints, T. Higgins to the Ravens, Tyler Beattis to the San Francisco 49ers. That is going to do it for us today on the show. I'm Kyle Krabs signing off with Joe Marino. Thanks, as always, for listening to the DraftKings podcast. Come back tomorrow. We're going to preview NFL Week 15. Lots of great action to look forward to. Hope you guys enjoy Thursday Night Football tonight. Thanks, as always, for listening.